Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... God's grace, sinners can become saints. Did you hear that? Sinners can become saints. Just ask some of the people here who once walked in the most, what they would tell you were the most wicked of ways, knowing that they were doing the wrong thing, and somehow looked at that cross and God's love captured their hearts. They are servants of Jesus Christ free to be created what they were meant to be. After so many years of being a Christian, you might be able to claim that you've grasped the message of the gospel. But can you say that the gospel has grasped you? Today, Pastor Jim points out that when things are going great, it's easy to preach the good news. But what questions start to happen when they aren't going so great? Remember, when you learn to focus on the cross instead of the circumstance, you'll remain a joyful servant of Christ, no matter what the situation might be. Now let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 2 as we join Pastor Jim for part 3 of his message entitled, Joyful Servants. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message. But for now, here's Pastor Jim. So for them it was a, in the Christian church, and it should be for us, it's a, it's a term, a slave or a servant, it's a term of honor. It is someone who is chosen by God. It is someone who is being used by God. Yet so many people struggle with the idea of being a servant. You know, if you go to New York City and you have some waiter or some waitress, they'll say, well, thank you. Uh, You know, you might meet them, small talk for a minute, and they're like, well, I'm not really a waiter. I'm really an aspiring television actor. I'm not really a waitress. I'm a singer. I know a girl in the audience here who was not really a waitress. She was an artist waiting to marry a pastor, (laughs) right, who didn't know he was a pastor, but at the time was a pagan, when it comes down to it. But I think we struggle in this. We must remember that we, who are Christians, are called to serve others, but our master is Jesus. Do you see that? We serve people, but the people are not our masters. We serve people, and Jesus is our master. Why? Because people will always disappoint us. People will always let us down, but Jesus never will. You know, when we serve Jesus, the apostle would tell us that that Christ's goals become our goals. That we hear the call of God and we want to answer the call of God, even when it's inconvenient. You know, I love that about the younger generation today. There's a spirit of wanting to help people, even when it's inconvenient. I love that. I love the fact that they have seen my generation be so into stuff. And they're saying, okay, it's fine to have stuff, but at some point in time, we have to be generous to others. We have to help others. And I think that's a big reason why many of us don't enjoy our work, because we don't see ourselves as servants and our master is Jesus. I think that's the reason why a lot of us don't enjoy family and don't enjoy church. We find ourselves instead fighting with our master over the place where he's put us, 
over the job that he has given us to do, over the fact that he probably routinely says to us, you know, you're really not the servant that you think you are. You see, the world sees lowly service as being weak, but heaven would say, that is a privileged position from Jesus Christ. The world mocks servants. The world mocks humility. Yet in heaven, servants are celebrities. In heaven, servants are honored. So the Apostle Paul is going to lovingly challenge the church that he started to live out their commitment to Jesus Christ in the midst of the heartaches, in the midst of the challenges of life. And friends, this is the way the Lord works. It just is. Remember 10 years earlier, the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke came into town. Oh, we're here. We're going to plant a church. It's going to be great. So what happens? They get beat up and they get arrested. What is the Lord doing? He's testing their commitment. And now these people have been going in the church here for 10 years. And what is the Lord doing with them? He's testing their commitment. What's happening to us and what's going to happen to us as a church? Listen, we got some systems in place. We could go on automatic pilot if we wanted to. So what does the Lord come and do? He tests us on our commitment. He sees if we're really what we think that we are. Gives us challenges. And if you're a follower of Christ, you can expect these challenges. Please don't think that you're immune to them. Please see them as the love of God. Please see them as God's hand on you showing you that he will be faithful, he will be with you in the midst of those challenges. You see, after 10 years, probably you could say the Philippian church of learning the Bible for 10 years, they had grasped the gospel, but the challenge was, had the gospel grasped them? Will they continue in the work of the ministry, whether their leader is in jail, dead, or whatever? Will they continue to be joyful servants of Christ? Number two, joyful servants in Christ. Well, here's where I make some enemies. You ready? Okay, here we go. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Now, for most people, when they read this, their, their mind immediately goes to the word saints. They get thrown off. They're wondering what's up with that. But the key words here are not, it's not the word saint. It's the word all, which speaks of unity, and it's the word in, in Christ Jesus, which speaks of a relationship with God. We're either in a relationship with God or we're not in a relationship with God. And the Bible is clear that we come into a relationship with God through faith in what Jesus Christ has done in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. So, in the New Testament, and please, 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 don't take my word for this. Go home. Read these things for yourself, but go and open up the Bible and look after the book of Acts. You have the letters to the churches and you'll see almost all of them begin with this address or this greeting to all of the saints. The word saints is a term for all Christians, not the spiritual elite, but all Christians. The word means to be separate. It means to be holy. It is to be separated by God from the sin, selfishness, self-centeredness of this world to service to God. Now, there's a few people that were raised in what I would call legalistic separation. That you're so worried about the world 
that you're told that you have to completely isolate yourself from the world, and we know what happens when that kid goes to college, right? Oh boy, party time. So that's, that's what happens to people when we isolate them in an unhealthy, unbiblical way. But I think more so, most of us actually <laughs> have been grown in an environment, if you've been part of the church for any length of time, that has forgotten that we are a separate people. Almost to say that we want enough Jesus just to get me into heaven. Just, just give me enough so I can squeak in, sit in the last row with Elvis. You know, it'll be cool, and, and I'm fine, and, and don't get too close to my life, and, and don't make me too different. I don't want to be different. Now, listen, ladies, if you're here and you're single and you think, well, I want to meet Mr. Wright someday. Okay, well, good. We'll talk about that another time. But anyway, he needs to change when he gets married, right? Things are not the same anymore. So, so the same thing is true for a Christian. When we are in love with God, things change because our focus changed. And so we then become people who start to look like our Heavenly Father. We begin to act like Jesus. We begin to serve like Jesus. Nothing worse than hearing, you know, I know this guy who says he's a Christian and he blah, 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 blah. Terrible. That should not be said of us. In fact, if that is often said of us by many, many people, we have to ask ourselves if we are in fact a true Christian. To be a saint is to, true saint's separation is a desire to love and to be with and to be like Jesus and to obey God's word. And you see in the coming of Jesus and in so much of what you see in the apostles, there are people in this world that are waiting for that. There are people in this world that say, listen, I want to be part of something real. I don't want to be part of something dumb. I don't want to be part of some goofy church thing. I'd rather sleep late. Be honest with you, so would I, right, on a Sunday morning. I want to be part of something where people are really not plastic. They're being real, and they're trying to live for God. Now, to be a saint is to be in Christ. Now, can't go there. Whole nother sermon on this one, maybe three or four. But to be in Christ is one of the most important concepts in the entirety of the Word of God. And I'm going to do a very poor job of just saying it simply means this. It means to be in holy faith union with Jesus Christ. Holy faith union with Jesus Christ. It is at the core, the essence of being a Christian. It is someone who has heard the good news, someone who has responded in faith, and someone who has become born again. Now, a lot of people don't like that term. They equate it with being a Republican who owns a gun and watches Fox News, but that is not what it means to be born again. To be born again means that Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through your response of faith to him, has brought your spirit alive. So your spirit is what is born again, and you become part of the kingdom of God. Jesus said this, Unless a man is born again, he was speaking to a man, a religious leader, he said, unless a man is born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, do you know what that means? That means that unless a man is born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't complicate it. It's simply, that's what it is. To get to heaven, Jesus says, someone must be born again. You are either in Christ or you're out in Christ, heaven, out of Christ, no heaven. 
And so this is what we have here. So to be a saint is not based upon what you have done. It is based upon what God has done to you. The Old Testament, it, the, I love the way it puts it like this, that upon believing in Christ, what will happen is God will take your heart of stone towards God. You're like, I could care less about God. I know that lived the first 29 years of my life like this, right? I could care less about God. Takes out your heart, your stony heart towards God and gives you a heart transplant and gives you a soft heart towards God. For some of us, we might think of it this way. I remember when I was in my late 20s and people would be like, so when are you gonna settle down and get married? I <laughs> get married, what are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me, get married, no way. Then I met Pam. Oh, right? And so now, right now, I have a soft heart towards getting married. My hard heart was replaced with a soft heart, and that is what happens when someone is born again. So it's not what you have done, it's rather what God has done to you via the Holy Spirit. So, so much of this letter of the Philippians is about joyful living out our faith in the context of our daily lives, in the context of church, because of the cross, because of God's love, because of God's grace, sinners can become saints. Did you hear that? Sinners can become saints. Just ask some of the people here who once walked in the most what they would tell you were the most wicked of ways, knowing that they were doing the wrong thing, and somehow looked at that cross and God's love captured their hearts. They are servants of Jesus Christ, free to be created what they were meant to be. And notice the Apostle Paul addresses the letter to all. No favorites. We're all God's favorites. Did you know that? We're all God's favorites. We're all called into the unity and love of God, and it's expressed through the local church here in Philippi. God's children, right? If you're one of God's children, you are one of his favorites. So a big topic here is the unity of the church, the unity of one another. Unified in what? In Christ, in his work, in the interest of others. That is the work of the saints. That is why you need to be part of a local church so you are doing the loving of one another, saint to saint, as Jesus has prescribed in the Bible. Thirdly, joyful servants with Christ. Notice he says, with the bishops, some of your versions say overseers, and deacons, traditionally those, the overseers, are more the teachers, and the deacons are more people involved in the physical work. So we serve with Christ by serving with one another in the place in the role where God has placed us and called us. But we have to answer that call. A lot of times I think a lot of us, we don't like what God has asked us to do. But in the kingdom of God, we start at the bottom. That's just, you know, have you, any of you noticed that's the way it's going at your job? Like you, you come in the first day and you're like, I wonder why I'm not the president of the company. Because it said in the Bible, it must be found in a servant that he's found faithful. And so the word of God calls all of God's people to serve. This idea that we have in the church today where a couple paid professionals do all the work and everybody watches them work is not the biblical model. All the people are called, they are engaged in different things. Different people are gifted in different ways and so we're all busy. We're all busy. If you're not busy, come see me. That'll be over this week, trust me. We're all busy. 
So we all have to fight the busy monster. Their world was the same. They had the Roman Empire. They had lots of opportunities. They had opportunities for sin. They had opportunities for success. All that stuff's been around. But an important mark of a true Christian is a desire to serve Jesus Christ. You know the person who goes around telling everybody they're a Christian, they're nastier than a hornet's nest, they're telling everybody what's wrong with them all the time, and they don't do anything to, they never lift a finger to help anybody else, and you doubt whether they're really Christians. You know what? That's a well-founded doubt. That's a very well-founded doubt. Because a true Christian has a desire to serve Jesus Christ because they know on the cross, Jesus Christ served them. It becomes instinctive. You ever watch a mom? I mean, it is an instinctive thing. That kid cries and they run. Like there's just this instinct that I am gonna serve, that God has wired me, he has made me to serve that little kid because that little kid can't live without me. But the desire of a Christian to serve is not motivated by guilt. Guilt is removed when we experience the forgiveness of sins, but it is motivated by grace. It is motivated by gratitude. It is a response of love. And so the Apostle Paul here, he does acknowledge the leaders. Any organization needs leaders. But in the Bible, you don't see this hierarchy, well, me leader, you servant. No, everybody's a servant. Both the leaders and the people who aren't leaders must love one another. Both the leaders and the people who are not leaders must work together. It's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. And it is in dying to ourselves, it is in giving ourselves to the people of God that God raises up leaders. And the word church and ministry are basically interchangeable in the Bible, and there's no such thing as religious consumers in the Bible. No such thing at all. The way of the church as taught by the Jesus and the apostles is this, we all give ministry. We all receive ministry. We all work together and we all help each other to grow. We are a family. We are responsible for each other. When one weeps, we weep. When one is joyful, we are joyful. When one is down, we help to pull them up. This is what God has designed for the church. How does all the church trouble happen? You ever hear church troubles? Make me sick of some of the stories that I hear. How does it happen when some people only feel entitled to receive and not to give? What a prescription for trouble, right? You moms know this, don't you? When a kid just is like, you know, well, mom, you know, I heard dad told me you used to run for me when I was a little kid. Yes, you were a little kid, but it's time to grow up. Then it's time for you to participate and to be part of the family. So what was the overseer's role? Basically, to teach with authority the word of God, boldly proclaiming the word of God. Not the leader doesn't have the authority. What has the authority? The word of God. God has the authority. The leaders were to maintain the integrity of the word of God in the church. The leaders were to maintain the apostles' doctrine and the order in the church so the place just doesn't get completely out of control. So, what is an overseer? Well, 1 Timothy 3, you can read that for your homework. People with essentially desire and character. They desire to be leaders, and they have the character to back it up. 
I like to think of them as men and women who are consistent in the word of God, who are committed to the local church, who are dedicated to the people in the church, and who take initiative in serving those in the church, working together with the other overseers so we're not duplicating effort, so we are growing the kingdom of God. The pull in the American church is to have the religious professionals do everything, and all that does is it slows the work of God. Look at this around where you work. If the guy at the top or the woman at the top is doing the payroll and there's 5,000 employees, your company's probably in trouble, right? So they have to, people have to understand that the overseer's job is to do just that. And again, ask the moms. Unity in a family is formed when each person contributes, right? Other than that, you have a very bad situation so those are joyful servants with Christ. So if all this sounds hard, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It's impossible. It's impossible. People drop the ball. People get hurt. That's just the way it goes. And it would be impossible except for verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Both God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give grace and peace. Divine gifts for the people of God. Now, Bible students know this, that grace is always first. God's gracious gift of love and forgiveness for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe means to trust, to rely on, to embrace who he is. It's not just a head knowledge. Would not perish, would not be judged for their sins, but have eternal life, would have life with God in heaven. And that is experienced by all people who turn to God and put their trust in Jesus. Grace is a two-sided coin. We've talked about this many times. It is pardon and power. It is the pardon for our sins, and it is the power to live an otherworldly life in which we are givers, not takers, in which we are generous and not selfish, in which we are lovers, not haters, in which we care deeply about people, not just about ourselves. If you have not experienced that, I pray today is your day. It is a freeing way to live when it's not all about you. And so the offer, the invitation, the call is for all. It's for the Apostle Paul, a murderous religious leader, the young church kid Timothy, the Philippian woman who's rich, the jailer and his family, demon-possessed girls. You might say it's for the rich lady, the white-collar guy, and the drug and alcohol users. God bringing together a people, a different otherworldly community. They had peace with God through faith in the Son of God by trusting in what he did on the cross. And so their peace is what? It's inward, inside. It's outward towards others. And it's upward because it's a peace with God. They are able to experience the presence of God even and maybe especially in difficult times. Grace is simply God being gracious. Peace happens when you taste God's grace. And if you haven't tasted God's grace today, let me tell you something as someone who basically achieved by the age of 29 everything the world told me that I had to achieve. I had a multi-million dollar company, fast car, house at the beach, and you know what? It didn't taste near as good as I thought it should have. But when somehow... God in his love and his grace reached down to me through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I was able to taste that grace. 
Acts chapter 16, when there was an earthquake, remember the jailer said, sirs, what much I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And I pray that for you and for your family. I pray you would start to joyfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ who joyfully served you by dying on the cross for your sins. 25 years from today, 30 years, your kids will think that Pharrell Williams' song is dumb. But 3,000 years ago, the psalmist wrote this, Psalm 212. Blessed or happy are all those who put their trust in him. That word has stood for 3,000 years, and it will stand all the way into eternity. And so my prayer is that you would put your trust in him. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love Radio, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. We are excited that you joined us today, and we hope and pray that you will join us again next time as we continue to learn more about Jesus verse by verse in the book of Philippians. If you would like a copy of today's message on CD, simply contact us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills at 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the copy of the correct teaching. You can also write us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or send an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Don't worry if you haven't been able to write that information down. Simply log on to www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find all the information to listen to this message again or receive your own copy. You can also give securely to help Changed by Love Radio share the good news of Jesus Christ. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of Philippians. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time here on Changed by Love.